The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm Jason, your host, uh, along with my good friend and co-host, Roger. And uh, we're excited for this uh, second podcast of the new year, 2021. I hope that you are blessed so far and enjoying uh, this new season. Roger, here's a would you rather question. You know, I like those questions. Okay. Um, I I was going to ask you something else, but I'm going to ask you this question (laughs) instead. Would you rather read a biography or read a commentary? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. (laughs) Read a biography because I'll stay awake. (laughs) (laughs) I I figured that's where you would go. I figured that's where you would go, but I just wanted to make sure because, you know, you're reading all the counseling stuff. I didn't know if you read biographies too. I know you have to read commentaries because you prep in teaching. So, so I figured I'll throw it out there. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I, uh, I'm not the guy, I have a really good friend, kind of a mentor to me that he would actually read commentaries for fun. I'm like, wait, are you teaching on that book? He's like, no, I'm reading the commentary. I'm like, what? (laughs) Who does that? Um, So I'm I'm with you. I I would, for prep, obviously we have to use the commentaries, but I would much rather uh, read a biography. Uh, Do you have a favorite biography? Um. I've read different ones over the years. I don't have a particularly favorite one. I think it's the current one I'm reading just because I get fascinated with the person's life that I'm learning about at that moment. What Um, are you reading? Or who are you reading about? um, I'm going, I've read, uh, probably the last one I read was on J.C. Ryle in his life. I have a new one from him, which is actually his autobiography. Mm-hmm. which I thought was was fascinating uh, to to see, you know, someone write their own biography. But I really like Ian Murray in, in how he's doing biographies on yeah. people. I think his was the last one I read. I think he did the one on Ryle. But I had just heard next year um, in March, they're doing a biography on R.C. Sproul. Oh, okay. Thought, wow, that's got to be that's got to be good just to learn more about his life. So um, but how about yeah. you? Have you read one recently? Um, I can't remember what the most recent one was, but uh, the one I, I really enjoy, I, I enjoyed reading on George Whitfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I, I'm trying to look up there. I think it was called the divine dramatist, which was the one that I read. Ah, I think that's the one. And, uh, that was, I read it a long time ago, but it stuck with me. I really, uh, enjoyed kind of seeing how his world, uh, and the, the, uh, American revolution even intersected and, Uh, You know, I love kind of the history and biography all coming together. Uh, The other thing is I was going to mention, I'm working on my autobiography. Roger. (laughs) So I I was thinking, you know, if you want, you're welcome to read it when I'm, when I'm done. As long Um, as I get a signed copy of it. Well, I would like you to write the preface. Could you write the the preface to it (laughs) or the forward or whatever? Yeah. 
course. Okay. Can you write <laughs> a preface of an autobiography? <laughs> That's a good question. I, all, all I know is it does intrigue me when someone writes a, an autobiography. <laughs> That's, uh, you come to the point where you're like, I, I, I need to write this about myself. <laughs> I don't know. It's How about a biography written about somebody who hasn't died yet? Like when Ian Murray did the one on John MacArthur. I'm like, the story's not finished. Like, come on. I mean, to be continued. <laughs> it's true. There, you just have to write a few chapters at the end. Yeah. Someone will add it. Uh, I think, you know, um, I, but I, I have to say, I, I have wanted to write a biography on my dad and my, mm-hmm. and the family. I thought, and, that and that's awesome. more for, more for our sake, like to, yeah. as a to to not forget these great stories that he's got from his grandparents yeah. and parents too um so not necessarily for publication but i think that'd be kind of fun to dig into that yeah so yeah, yeah. well our topic actually has i guess something to do with biography <laughs> definitely not not uh well no it really does have to do with biography sadly <laughs> it's part of people's stories uh, we we wanted to talk really about fallen leaders. Um, And it's something that has been on my mind. Um, I I will just mention why some people have probably been reading about this in the news anyway, but some things have come out about someone I really loved and, and respected. Um, And I still will say there's certain things about obviously that I, I so appreciate in terms of his work and ministry, but recently some things have been coming out about Ravi Zacharias um, and his ministry came out saying, yes, um, this is, this is true. There's evidence that has been uh, kind of hurtful to them too, as a ministry um, about sin that he had been living in. Um, but he's not the only one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not the only one that even recently uh, has been exposed. And there's been this exposure of churches and pastors and missionaries and theologians and others that have fallen into sin often sexual sin. Mm -hmm. And this has just been something that's been on my mind as I've read that kind of heartbroken um, because I had wanted to defend him saying, no, it can't be true because of what I thought I knew about him. Um, So I I wanted to think about this together with you, Roger, and and, uh, kind of process this with you. But I guess let me start with this question, Roger. Why do you think that this kind of fall seems to be happening a lot in the recent past like why do we see a lot of these thought leaders these christian leaders yeah falling maybe particularly into sexual sin but even other sin we've seen sin of pride destroy churches we've seen uh financial issues as well so why do you think we're seeing this happen a lot these days Yeah, I don't think it's anything new. I think that, excuse me, when I look back to how it's touched me or how close it's become to somebody I've known, I think back to my seminary days when I was in my, I want to say it was my second year seminary, I had a professor and we had a small discipleship group. Each professor took a group of guys and um, uh, I believe it was our church history class. Um, but he, he would teach us and mentor us. And I remember one day uh, we were having breakfast with him 
and he was giving us life advice and he was saying, uh, here's one of the goals that you should look for your life. He said, work to reduce the hypocrisy in your life from what you know and how you live. He left that day and he was flying out somewhere. And then when he came back, uh, it was a week later, we found out in seminary, we got an announcement that um, his son had found out that he was having an affair with somebody he was counseling. And the seminary was just, it was, it was a tough time. Uh, guys were crying, just consoling one another um, and just so brokenhearted. I was trying to process it. I was, you know, fairly new in my faith, you mm-hmm. know, when I started going to seminary and just like, we looked up to all these professors, we looked up to these yeah. guys and it, it rocks you for that moment. But I'll never forget that thought he said or that comment of reducing the hypocrisy of what you believe and how you live, um, that is, is, is a profound statement um, yeah. that he made. But why does it happen? Why does it seem to be happening so much? Maybe we're noticing it more today because of the mass communication through social media mm-hmm. and through the fact that there's more celebrity pastors today right. in the sense that there's so many that are well-known because they have avenues to get their messages out. You can listen to their podcast. You can see them in big conferences. You can see them all over the place. You know, Twitter, they're just, they're just well-known. So these platforms are big. So we know a lot more people than we ever known before. It's not just my local pastor. It's yeah. now, hey, I have multiple pastors, you know, right. that I'm listening to and right. influenced by. Do, do you, do you think though, you, you mentioned this whole celebrity pastor or celebrity theologian or thinker, et cetera. Do you think that that plays a role in their falling too? I think that, you know, that we become more of a target um, uh, around us of, of the evil one. I think we, you know, when, when I step back and I think, uh, you know, of why, why leaders fall. I get back to the basics that no leader, no matter how mature they are in their faith has graduated from sinning. Yeah. Their heart has not been completely perfected here on earth. So their heart is still active and can still fall into sin. That's why first Corinthians ten twelve tells us to, where it says, um, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. No leader is above temptation and from being tempted by their, from the sin that comes out of their own heart. I think sometimes we we think that somehow these leaders are not susceptible to their own heart yeah. to sin coming and being tempted and we put them up on a pedestal and we get disappointed in the fact that they're still fallen and can fall into grave sin at the same time i think that there's spiritual warfare going on oh yeah right ephesians 6 that our war is not against flesh and blood but against the unseen world and i think yeah when when a pastor is becoming very influential think about the temptations that come with that Mm -hmm. think about the temptations to sin nobody finding out you have power to manipulate people satan 
speaking lies, attacking you. I think you just, you're so open and vulnerable to many different things that you weren't when you're just this, you know, this local pastor who's only known by a small flock of people, not known by thousands who look up to you. I think that that brings out things in your heart. And if you think about it, um, so so James Owen, the guy, you know, obviously that I talk a lot about because I wrote about yes. James Owen had a, a he had written to younger ministers because he was he would train other pastors. And one of the things he the points that he made to them is that you need to realize you're a target mm-hmm. for Satan. Mm. If you're he said, think about it, it, it how, how strategic it is for the enemy to go after the leader, the head Obviously, Christ is the head of the church, but the leader that the Lord has put in that place, he goes, you are a target. Satan is going to come after you. You need to be aware um, because it's very strategic. Everybody knows Ravi, right? So many people know. And and for him to 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 fall is, is a crushing thing for so many people. And so Satan's going to put his effort into trying to tempt and draw away some of these guys who are in, in more prominent positions. I think that's true about everyone. Satan's trying to tempt us all. Um, but I think that maybe there's a particular target on the backs of those who the impact of their falling would be greater. You know, so my heart goes out to some of these, you know, great leaders. I, I really, when I look at someone who has this testimony that their entire life and ministry, they have been able to resist and withstand the, the enemy's attacks, yeah. there's a certain um, appreciation I have of those men and women who have remained faithful to the end. Um, and I can't say I'm shocked, sadly, even though I was heartbroken, I'm not shocked anymore when I see a leader yeah. fall. I know the enemy is out there attacking we know that. So, so I guess I'll, I'll throw out another question before we move on to some other things that we want to talk about. But how should all of us should be thinking about the enemy's attacks? But how should someone who's in a more prominent position, whether it's in a local church, elders, pastors, or a little more broadly in various ministries, how should we protect ourselves then, knowing that there's this attack, this target on our backs? Yeah, I think that the, you know, if I think about it, of of having humility to realize how strong uh, temptation is, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But I think it's it's the basics. It's living the life we proclaim. It's 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 living a repentant life that you don't you don't get beyond that. No matter how influential, no matter how many people listen to you it's not about you. It's about the Lord. And if he's not the one you're directing people to and you're directing it toward you, you're already off in your thinking. But I think that ongoing heart work that you need to keep growing, you need to keep seeing your sin revealed. You need to keep uh, addressing those things that come out of your heart in the different seasons of life that your, your, your maturity never ends. And you got to keep working on your own uh, your own soul as the Lord is growing and maturing you, you know, uh, I think the scriptures say, you know, of, of Paul, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. We never stop. It's never becoming about us. And I think sometimes in our, just in our American culture, we puff up people. Mm-hmm. We put our hope in people 
instead of putting our hope in the Lord. And when we do that, do that in the church, it's kind of like a double uh, uh, disappointment for us. Sure. Because we lose, we get disappointed in these people we hoped in, and then we get disappointed in the Lord uh, for what's occurring instead of realizing, no, we need to pray for those, anybody who's having mm. influence, you need to pray the Lord keep them and protect them and help them to stand firm, um, knowing that it, it's, yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the other things that I think you were talking about all that heart work, which I think is the crucial element, right? The, this growth and sanctification that yeah. the Lord is doing in our lives that uh, we want to be processing and, and thinking carefully about. Uh, and, and part of that comes from being open and honest with other dear brothers, or if you're a sister with dear sisters, kind of allowing accountability into your life, the celebrity pastor, or this whole, you know, this leader on a pedestal um, can be very lonely. If that person is not willing to get the accountability, you know, as a pastor, I'll say it's an awkward position at times when uh, everyone's looking to you in a sense for answers, (laughs) for the wisdom, for accountability, and yep. you're like, uh, I am just as human as you, and, <laughs> yes. and I need that accountability, which is why I love, in our case, I love our elders, that we are able to talk openly and have accountability in that way. And I've brought in uh, other pastors in my life that I meet with regularly for accountability because I know my susceptibility. Um, uh, I think, was it Alistair Begg said something like, you know, um, if, you know, if you knew my heart, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't listen to me preach, (laughs) you know, but if I knew you uh, in your hearts, I wouldn't want to preach to you anyway, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, but going back to how do we process these falls, let's say someone's looking for us, we're looking at someone we love and appreciate and, and Robbie's not the only one, right? Many have fallen before fallen into sin. How, how should I, think about this? What, what should that trigger in me, in my own heart? Uh, one thing I was thinking based on what you were saying is maybe I need to rethink how I put this person on a pedestal. Yeah. Only, only Christ should be on a pedestal in my heart, in my life. Um, how do I think about my faith as it relates to my leaders? Yeah. Is my faith based on the leaders or based on my personal relationship with Christ? And I hate to be cynical, but I almost always tell people, expect me to fall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm your pastor. Expect that I'm going to fall. And, and I pray that I not fall in a significant way. And, and God is gracious. I'm grateful for that. But ex- should we expect that only because it's not about the human leader, but about the Lord. I don't know, speak to some of that, Roger. How should we process this? Yeah, I think I, I think I become really cynical too, in a sense of the more I, I think about the heart and learn about the heart and how susceptible we are and how deceitful sin is mm. um, and our own proclivities to it, even after we are saved, I become cynical of anyone and question question that, that, that yeah, anybody can fall. Nobody is beyond falling into sin. Right. Now, we don't want to be cavalier and say, okay, yeah, just leaders just sin and, and it doesn't matter. Right. No, there's, there's a certain amount of responsibility and a certain amount of um, uh, uh, impact that has. So there, there's a growth and maturity, but it's the fact that no one's beyond it. So, <laughs> so thinking about our leaders, I think that 
one of the things that makes this hard is this leader is died. Yeah. This leader is no longer with us. So if the leader was alive, in a sense, you could, you pray for them. You, you, you humble your own heart and just pray for them. You don't know where they're at. You can't blanketly say this person's a fraudster. Right. No leader in Christian ministry is genuine says, you know what? I hope to influence people and I hope to fall into sin and destroy people around me right. and hurt people's faith and destroy my family and just bring shame on the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. No true leader wants to bring shame. You want to honor the Lord as, as you can. So even if a person falls, I mean, look at scripture, Peter, I mean, three times he denied the Lord and the Lord worked and restored him and, and, there was mercy and grace to walk through that with him. But I just think of this one. This is hard because this is a leader who's no longer with us. You yeah. don't know what his response would be now, but you can't, I don't think you can fairly say oh, this person has just been a fraud from the beginning. I mean, right. he's, he has spoken so much truth. You don't discount that. Those are true things he spoke. Yeah. His life now you look at it and just like, okay, it seems jaded, but you don't use that and say the truth is no longer the truth. The truth is not true because of the person. The truth is true because it comes from God's word. Amen. And that's how yeah. we should we should look at these people. Yeah, they are men made of dust going back to dust. My hope is in God and in the scripture and pray for his family and pray for all those who are impacted. But remember, that's why we need the gospel Amen. and we can't forget it every day of our life. We can't forget that we still need uh, the message of the gospel to shape us daily. Yeah. So I don't know if that's helpful. I answered it. Kind no, of that, that, no, that's very helpful because it, it takes our eyes off of the person and puts it on Christ. Um, and, and we have to remember in any ministry that is building itself saying, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. rather than look at Christ. Now, Paul always ends that sentence, right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like you said, it, it's always uh, pointing us to Christ, even, even looking at leaders, which we should, you know, leaders should be modeling. They should be exemplary um, so that we can learn from them in that way too. But it's always, the example is always pointing to Christ. So I think what you described is super helpful. Um, here's another part of this question that people are asking. So I want to pick your brain on it. Cause I think you've thought about this a little, you and I've had these conversations before, but what should happen to these leaders? Those that obviously in Robbie's case, unfortunately he had passed away, but yeah. those who are living who fall, what should happen to them? Um, should they, I mean, here's the, the million dollar question, you know, should they ever be allowed back into uh, a position of leadership and ministry um, does it matter the kind of sin that they've fallen into? What, what do you think about these questions? It's such, it's so complex as I think about it, because first, the first thing I think of is this shouldn't be for the Christian community to sit in judgment and make opinions on. Mm. It should be a locally based, um, you know, accountable to his leaders who are around him in walking with him and through it because they're the ones who are going to have the wisdom of what the next step is. Now, is any leader beyond restoration? I I go back to Peter and I just wrestle with, and I struggle Mm -hmm. with, I see in scripture that God restores people when they do the worst. He -hmm. restores them. He even puts Peter back into ministry. And I look at that model and say, okay, if I see that in scripture, 
do we sometimes have a double standard in our own ministry where we say, you have one shot at this, don't mess it up because you're done and it's over. And I just think, why is there no sense of restoration? I'm not saying instantly, yes, everybody gets back into ministry. Every situation is unique. But why is there, why are we saying there's no grace? Like you can't sin. Like you're a pastor. Therefore, these are certain things you just cannot sin and fall in. And therefore you can never be useful to the Lord anymore because these are like, these are a category that are just too shameful. You know, what are we communicating when we do that? Because honestly, in my experience, I, I I just had the sense that I was taught you have one shot, don't mess it up. And if you do, you're done and you're going to go find a job at a Starbucks or go find a job selling insurance. If you mess up in ministry. And I just thought, it seems so harsh yeah. and not working through and saying, Hey, let's look at this person and let's find out. I mean, when you sin, what do we, what do we, yeah. What, what do you know. do with, what do you do with the, uh, the uh, qualifications for an elder though? Uh, one of them being, being above reproach. Yeah. Um, I guess the question is, can you regain that status after a significant fall? Some would say, no, you're, you, I think that's what they point to. Look, you're, you're done. You're, you're no longer above reproach. Um, and my, my question would be, is that something that can be regained? Is there, is there a significant, you know, sufficient amount of time? Because one of the things we talk about is it's not always the sin, but your response to your sin. Correct. Yeah. That really reveals your heart. Yes. Um, and so if this person's response to sin is righteous is, is the way sin ought to be responded to and given enough time to rebuild their, you know, and be restored truly in their own heart and spirit. Could they, could they be restored even to a position of calling uh, in ministry and leadership, et cetera? I don't know. What do you, you know, speak to that one? I mean, Peter told Jesus or, or rejected that he knew Jesus three times. Yeah. And then Jesus came to him, restored him, and used him again. Feed and my I, sheep. <laughs> feed my sheep. Do ministry. It's like yeah. he brought him back. So I think of, yes, yes, the scripture does say we're uh, to be above uh, reproach. But is that to say we're to be above reproach a hundred percent of the time and we can have no sin in our life that we, mm-hmm. you know, or is to be above reproach to be living out the truth of the scripture, to be daily repenting of our sin, to be daily growing and changing into Christ likeness, to be dependent on him. And if a person has gone through a fall and has worked through a process and become above reproach again in their life after the process, is that a possibility? Or is the scripture just saying you need to be above reproach and you can never fall from that and regain that status? Um, Is that what it seems? I think sometimes that the standards that are created, uh, they seem so impossible. Well, I mean, they're impossible for any of us to keep 100% of the time. 
right? That's yeah. only only Christ can do it. So that's right. Even looking at that, it seems like it just needs so much wisdom from the local people who know the person. The leaders are accountable. They should be the ones who should really be working through that process of knowing a person's ready or not to be used. Because think of it like this: how how awesome is the gospel? that even in the mess we can make out of life, God can still redeem what we do and use what we do for good. Turn the evil Amen. we've caused for good. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, the tough part in all of this, Roger, is um, I've seen leaders fall, Yeah, have what looks like the right response of brokenness, mm. Uh, you know, I saw, I, I won't mention names, but there was a prominent person who wrote this, you know, great uh, essay basically about brokenness and, and the need for forgiveness. And, and then turned out that he had still been lying. Yeah. He had still been hiding it. And it makes it so hard. But I think you're right. It goes back to the local church, the local body, the accountability that's put around that person that would be best suited to help kind of walk them through and see if there is ever a time I I'm one who thinks um, that it, it would be, it would be difficult mm -hmm. to get back into a position of leadership in that way, but I don't think it's impossible. I think that there would be a need for a, a significant amount of time to pass. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest, I, I keep thinking if I fall into something significant, why would I want to get back into a position of leadership quickly? Yeah. yeah. Right. Th that might be revealing the person's heart too. I really want to get back in public. I want to be on the stage again or something like that. I, that would be a warning sign for me as well. I've seen some others that have fallen who you, you look at the brokenness, the way they respond. And you're like, man, you should be back up and preaching and teaching because you're such yeah. a reflection of the gospel, but they don't want it because I think they've got a righteous understanding. And so yeah. this is, it, it's, it's tough because we're dealing with the human heart in a fallen world, brokenness. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's something I, I talk to my accountability people a lot about and to my own wife about, I'm like, these are, these are three things that we as pastors, I think, and leaders in the church elders are always susceptible to that. We need to be on guard about sexual sin, uh, financial sin so greed and and you know that kind of thing and pride i think it starts with pride that's yeah. where the rest is you know and, and we've got to be praying we've got to be open about where the triggers and temptations are uh, there's a, a, a lot here well look you know, time has passed there's a, a lot more we could talk about on this topic roger any last thoughts on this that kind of wrap up that's on your mind about fallen leaders and how we should be thinking about it yeah, I think I would say just for for those who see their leaders fall, people they've respected or who have really spoken into their lives, you know, when you see it occur and know and and hear about it, uh, try to have some self control mm. in throwing everything out the door and throwing yeah. that person on the bus and judging them and being harsh with them. Realize your own your own sin and pray for them. And pray for yeah. their families if they're not here. Try to respond with humility because that'll help you more than getting angry and bitter. Um, because re realizing that sin is much more powerful than we can imagine. And to remember that we all have hearts 
um, that could be tempted. So that's right. Be careful how quickly you judge another, because at the same time, um, you have to deal with your own walk with the Lord. Because just because they're a leader doesn't mean they need to live uh, to please and honor the Lord. You do too uh, in your own life. So, how yeah. about yourself? You know that that's that's a great uh, summary right there. Uh, what you just described, and I and I think we need to keep that in mind that. Uh, we need to be humble, you know, even in Galatians, when Paul says to you that are spiritual, restore the brother, but he says also what keep guard on your own life, because yeah. you're not above that. And I think uh, we need to keep that in mind. And just remember, it's not about the leader. It's about Christ. Amen. And keep our eyes on him. Uh, good discussion, Roger. It was good to, to talk through this and think through this. I hope that uh, our listeners enjoyed this discussion and are challenged by it. Uh, until next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.